0: Welcome to the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. I'm your host, Deb Masner. I'm a registered nurse, health coach, and alcohol-free badass. I have found that there's more than one way to address drinking. If you've ever asked yourself if drinking is taking more than it's giving, or if you've found that you're drinking more than usual, you may have reached your own alcohol tipping point. The Alcohol Tipping Point is a podcast for you to find tips, tools, and thoughts to change your drinking. Whether you're ready to quit forever or a week, this is the place for you. You are not stuck and you can change. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. Today I have another return guest and it's one of your favorites. It's sober grandma, Lynn King. Lynn was last on the show in April of 2022. She was just approaching one year as far as her year of being alcohol-free. And she came on the show just to share her journey. It it was a really great, helpful episode, especially for people who think that it's too late to change your drinking. And Lynn has just really shown, like, it's never too late. And she has a mission to spread love, hope, and pixie dust so that her story and daily adventures in life may touch someone somewhere and spark a light in the darkness. And so I want to welcome you back, Lynn. I'm so excited to hear how your life has been since we last talked.
1: Thank you, Deb. I am delighted to be here, and I really appreciate you inviting me back.
0: I, I think it's so interesting. I feel like that first year that you are alcohol-free is just part of the year is just kind of finding your footing. And then part of it is just so much growth, so much personal growth. And then you're kind of settling into the second year and, and lots of things can happen. And, you know, great things and maybe not so great things. And, you know, just life, you recognize like, okay, remove the alcohol, but now, now here's my life and what am I going to do with it? And you're getting used to this new normal. So can you just kind of update us about how you've been doing, what's been happening from year one to year two, and you're even past two years now, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I just hit two and a half years this month. So, well, actually, November, I guess it's December now, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, that's interesting that you asked that because, you know, I mentioned in our little pre-interview that I normally make a lot of notes and I didn't make very many notes this time. But one of the notes that I made was year one for me was an extended pink cloud. I had been in a funk for so long. I was my world was just so dark and I was so miserable and I was so lost, you know, there, the, towards the end of my drinking career that once I got to the point where I was just fed up, that's really, I mean, an incident happened, but it it all boiled down to, I was just fed up with where I was. I was, I was pissed off at alcohol, you know, I was like, okay, buddy, you're done. I don't want anything more to do with you ever yet. And so that's when I started seeking help and reaching out, listening to podcasts, doing the quitlet and the light came back into my life, you know, and when that light comes back in for me, it was just, I was reborn, you know, I was just so energized and so happy. And, you know, you hear about the pink cloud and my whole first year was just pink cloud, you know. I could taste food again. I could sleep again. My Before, like a couple of weeks before, I was looking in the mirror and it's like, oh, my God, my skin's just sliding right off my face, you know, just how alcohol makes you so puffy and, uh, you know, and I just, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, I got my face back, you know, and it was just wonderful. So that was year one, just la-di-da-di-da, rose-colored glasses, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Year two was my year of self-love. That's where, like you said, that first year you're getting your feet under yourself you're you're kind of figuring out, okay, what happened to me, and now, what's happening to me, and where am I going with this and that's where I read really a lot of not just quitlick but personal growth and development books and I really got into breathing exercises at that time. We were living in Florida, close to the beach. We were going to the beach twice a week and just, you know, I sit there, watch the waves, meditate, and journal, and I would take long bubble baths and listen to meditation podcasts. And so it was all about self-love, reclaiming and uh, because there was so much shame. To shed, you know, there was so much self forgiveness that had to happen. And that was hard. That, that, it's still hard. It's, it's like an onion, multi layered, and it, you peel off a layer and, okay, I forgive myself. Oh, wait a minute, but now I can see this, you know. So that was that self love and learning that you're okay. Yes. You had developed toxic behaviors. And that those had negative consequences, but those behaviors are not you, you know, and learning that and learning that the the alcohol fueled a lot of that and removing that toxic behavior was the, the linchpin for everything else to start growing and developing. So that year two was a lot of, Learning, learning about me, learning who I really am, learning about little Lynn and that she she had been hurting for a long, long time, and how to love her and how to make her feel safe and secure again. And then going into your theory, what I've realized is it's really a lot of self-realization. You know, digging deeper into well okay I recognize I acknowledge those toxic behaviors now. I didn't before I didn't see them. I didn't know. I just you know I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying and that alcoholic funk I just totally oblivious, you know, to a lot of what a lot of my behaviors, what I was saying and doing and treating family and, and close friends and you know, when I look back, I, I can't even believe that was me during that time, you know, during the really dark times. And it wasn't, it wasn't me, actually, it was bad behavior. And it was a lot of things that fueled it. But going back and finding me and feeding the love and all the needs that underlie I don't know if underlied is a word, all of that. So now with self-realization, that brought up some rough times. You know, once you start acknowledging that, oh boy, you really did all this stuff. This is how you actually behave. And there were some consequences that were flowing from that that negatively affected me because it was people expressing you know how I had hurt them how I had failed them and I mentioned that you know one of the things I wanted to talk about today is depression but that was this past year and that was kind of like the roosters or you know the chickens coming home to roost um but that's all part of our journey is, you know, we can't just say, oh, I've changed now. Everything's great. No, you know, there are things that need to be addressed. There are things that need to be dealt with. There are amends that need to be made. And so this third year I'm seeing as a year of of living amends. Uh, You know, it took the first year of all the pink cloud and then the second year of all the self love, to be able to get to the, you know, so it's not an easy thing. It's not a quick, just put down the bottle. I'm not going to drink it anymore. Everything's fine. No, it it doesn't. In my experience, it doesn't work like that. So, yeah.
0: thank you for sharing and and being so honest and vulnerable and. Uh, you had shared on Instagram where Lynn is often, so is it Sober Grandma Road Trip?
1: The Sober Grandma Road Trip. <laughs> the
0: Sober Grandma Road Trip. But you had shared a, a really vulnerable post about depression and mm-hmm. experiencing it, you know, two years later after giving up drinking and it, you know kind of being surprised by it maybe can you just share what your experience with depression has been
1: yes i will and and that's one of the things i wanted to talk about and i i think it's really timely that we're talking about this right now because the holiday season is you know everybody thinks oh this is the happiest time of the year and and there's a lot of people that feel that way but there's a lot of people that this is the most miserable time of the year and a lot of people at this time of year, I've had it I can't take it anymore I'm not going anymore and I really want to hopefully give those people a ray of light and a little bit of hope and maybe enough courage to reach out and do something for my, for themselves. So yes, the depression it's something that looking back, All my life, I've struggled with depression. I just didn't really realize it. I just thought that's the way it was. And one of the episodes I wanted to talk about to kind of highlight, looking back, was I lost my mom and my dad within nine months of each other. This was many years ago. But that just, I just totally shut down for two years looking back, I, I refused to celebrate Christmas. You know, I was, I went to work and was, I was automated. You know, I just went through the motions. I didn't have any feelings. I, I don't even remember those two years, honestly. And at the time I didn't really realize, I thought, well, this is grief. This is normal. This is, everybody does this. Well, no, not really, you know, not, I would come home from work. We'd we'd probably have split a bottle of wine, my husband and I, for dinner. You know, that was just normal, right? Everybody does that. And then I would just lay on the sofa for the rest of the evening, day after day after day, and that for two years. That was my life. Uh, So that's depression, but I, I didn't really understand all of that. This past year, what really, with everything I've learned kind of helped me so much and I hope it'll help other people is my husband and I had gone out to breakfast and then we were the ferry of the farmer's market is on Thursday afternoons here so we were headed to the farmer's market and I got a call from a family member uh, that you know we love each other dearly and the call was well you know my son doesn't want to be around you anymore and I'm like what? Well, he remembers what you were like when you were drinking and he remembers different things you did that hurt him. And, and he's told me that he just doesn't want to be around you anymore. And I just, I was stunned uh, mentally, but we got out of the car and just physically, I like collapsed i mean i didn't fall down the full ground collapse but there was a chair there and i had to sit down i was violently ill i thought i was gonna throw up i just everything it's kind of like when you faint you know everything just faded out i was like what's going on and i told my husband i've got to go home you know so we came home and i started into a behavior that has been with me as long as I can remember, I started ruminating. You know, I started beating, picking up that baseball bat and beating myself up over the things that had been said during this conversation. A lot of the things I don't even remember, you know, that's, that's so sad, but I was, I was a blackout drunk for a long time and no memory of these things, some of them. But beating myself up, and and it started the spiral, you know, where I was living in my head. I was being, I felt really heavy, like moving through molasses. Just, I couldn't, it was just foggy. And then I started thinking, okay, you know, you've been here before. But you know what's different this time? This time you're recognizing it. This time you're seeing it. You're seeing that something happened that triggered, which I'd never heard that word before, you know. This autonomic response, this visceral bodily sensation response that then inflamed your brain. To go off on this tangent of self destruction. And it's like, huh, okay, I see that. I see what I'm doing. I can change that. I can deal with that. I've got tools now. I've learned so much about how our thoughts are not ourselves that. The shame, the way you deal with that is to bring it out into the open, not hide it. That the, the, the key to moving forward is connection. Don't withdraw, which is what I was doing. Don't hide. Um, reach out for help. You know, there are people, you know, because our Instagram alcohol-free community are the most beautiful people in the world. Reach out reach out and let them know you're hurting, you know, reach out and do the things that you need to do to the self-care that I needed to do to bring myself back into a a place of okayness, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And so it, it just, that was... A real awakening for me, Deb, is to know that, hey, I don't have to allow myself to spin off in this spiral and sink into despair. I can put the brakes on and say, no, there's another way. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to drink my four bottles of water a day. I'm going to Do the deep breathing. Deep breathing helps me more, I think, than anything. I'm going to eat properly. I'm going to get out and walk. You know, I'm going to, these all sound like, eh, so what? But they're all things that action, I guess, got me moving. And I reached out to my therapist because after. Let's see, we met for about a year, I guess. And then I was doing so well. She's like, okay, you know, you know, I said, I I think I'm good. And she's like, okay. And when this happened, it was like, no, I'm not okay. You know? And so we started meeting again. And so I just want to let people know that looking back for me and I, I, I'm not an expert on anything. I'm just sharing my lived experience is that all my life I had done this thinking, well, that's just me. That's how things are. Um, I'm just miserable and that's the way it's going to be. And I've learned that, no, I think there's a saying, I wrote it down. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. So I was choosing to suffer. You know, I yes, that was a painful phone call. No doubt about it, but I chose to suffer until I saw it, and that's what I, that's the key thing I think is I want to let people know really, if you can get to the point where you can see it, you can see how you are starting to spiral, and you can see that there are these clues, these physical sensations these clues ahead of time because those came first those were automatic um unconscious you know but all the thoughts all the negative downward spiral that I was allowing myself and I was engaging in and I was perpetuating so that's that's what I want to share is that I think a lot of us are prone to that. And I just again only know myself that I just thought that was normal. I just thought that's the way it always had to be. I just thought there wasn't anything I can do about it. And I'm so happy to to feel that no, there there are things that I could do about
0: it. Thank you for sharing that uh, your experience You're and and just where it fell in your journey, your alcohol-free journey too, because like you said, like year one, you were pink cloud, everything was wonderful. Your two was self-love, and now entering into three, like you get hit with some emotional, more emotional pain, and the depression comes. And so, I did you ever did you feel like drinking when you were going through that just recently? No,
1: no, because. That's great. Yeah. Now, well, I will say, because another thing that uh, I, I smoked pot for years, you know, started in college, smoked for years, I wanted a joint so bad. Alcohol, no. Because alcohol, I clearly saw how it was destroying my life and I wanted yeah. nothing more. to. But a joint would have been nice at the time. <laughs> that was my thinking. It's like, oh, I would really like a joint. But yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I had mentioned to you like I wanted to share a little bit about my experience with depression and mm-hmm. drinking and whatnot. It just cuz I think it's helpful for people. Right. Also I think for helpful for people to know that removing alcohol, yes, will improve your life dramatically, but it's not going to solve everything. And so When I, I got diagnosed with depression postpartum after I had my babies Mm -hmm. and I started and stopped my antidepressants. And then after I had my youngest, I just stayed on them. I'm on Lexapro. Mm -hmm. And so I decided year three, well, I had celebrated year three, January 1st, this 2023. And I thought, you know what? It's been three years since I gave up alcohol. Maybe I don't need to be on antidepressants anymore. And so I safely weaned myself off. Let's just let people know, like, you don't have, don't abruptly stop antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I decided, like, okay, I'm going to wean myself off of them. I actually, just I started in December weaning myself off. And so by February, then I was done and I was mm-hmm. off them. And then, Uh, Fast forward to May, I just noticed, you know, I had some external things, big things, good things, and just bigger things happen in my life. And, but in May, I was like, I, I'm not happy. Like, and I should, I was shooting all over myself. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I should be happy. I should, you know, at the time I had quit my nursing job just to do ATP and I had more time and I had... You know, supposedly created this life for myself that was wonderful. And I just thought I should be happy. I'm not happy. You know, sometimes I would drop my youngest off at school and come back and just lay in bed and, but still get up and do stuff. And Mm. I also started having more anxiety and I'd never really had that before. And so, I finally connected it, you know, I'm like, okay, it's been three months. You've been off your antidepressants. Do you think it's that? And so mm-hmm. I I think where I get stuck and what, where I got stuck also with drinking was I never, I, I keep, I could never trace it back to anything. Like I didn't mm-hmm. have a traumatic childhood. I didn't have like, you know, horrible things happened to me. Like I grew up pretty, you know, in an ordinary family in Boise, Idaho, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I never could like pinpoint any sort of quote unquote trauma. And so I never felt like I fit the mold to have a drinking problem or to have depression. Like, what do you have to be depressed about? Like you're doing Mm -hmm. okay in life. And so I, so long story short, I went back on my antidepressants. I love them. I'm not going to fuck around with them again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lesson you learned. Know? And
0: I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, and just recognizing like, I'm, you can have a perfect life, a perfect childhood, a perfect, you know, marriage, not, not perfect. Cause perfect doesn't really exist, right. but everything can line up in your life and You can still have depression. You can still get anxiety. You can still have a drinking problem. Like, it can happen to anyone. And and like you said, Mm -hmm. recognizing, okay, there are tools and there are ways to get help. And it's different for everybody. For me, antidepressants work for me. And so I I just, I'm glad that we shared our two experiences and especially being, you know, getting into long-term sobriety and how it just, it's not the cure-all for everything, is it?
1: <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's the start though. I tell you what, in, until I got alcohol out of my life, none of the good things that have flowed since would have happened. I'm, I'm convinced i know that for a fact but i love the message that we're sharing is that this can happen to anybody you know it's i had a responsible job no four adult children that are all successful in their lives nobody would think that i would be an active addiction but i was I sure was and it can happen to anybody and it the coming to terms with it and coming out of it can happen to anybody as well so yeah
0: well I'm curious you talked a lot about this being your year to make amends and overcoming like shame and regret for past mm-hmm. things and I, that to me sounds like forgiveness and so can you talk about ways that you're going to navigate that or ways you are navigating it
1: yeah there's a couple things that that I'm doing to change one is seeing that I just had a pattern of any conversation I would turn it towards me oh yeah I've got a similar story, da 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 da, and I would never have thought that that would be true. You know, even the depression and being miserable is very self-centered. When you turn it around and look at it, so I'm really working on focusing on the other person and understanding where what where they're coming from really listening to what they're saying and not putting my spin on it. Not, you know, just accepting what is, you know, instead of shooting and things like that. And that I'm seeing, I'm seeing really positive changes in close relationships because of that, because I'm present and i'm not making it all about me in some way that i'm trying to i'm working on i don't like to use the term trying to because i'm working on showing up for others in the ways that been, that they can appreciate you know um In the past, it'd be like, well, I would I would like people to treat me like this or, you know, I would prefer that. Well, fine. But that doesn't have anything to do with them. You know what uh, is meaningful to them? And so, yeah, I'm really working on that this year. That's my amends. You know, early on with close family members when I quit drinking and all that had gone to each of them you know and apologized for, for things that i knew i had done that i was aware of and apologized for the things that i didn't know that i had done and was not aware of but i hadn't really changed my interactions how i related to people and so that's what's that's what i'm working on this year
0: mm-hmm. and and how how about dealing with shame
1: yeah, it's shame, you know, there's a saying about that. And it's so true that shame starts dissolving when you share your story in a safe space. So being able in our alcohol-free community to share some of the things that I've done and and getting that, oh, yeah, <laughs> I relate too. to that. Yeah, yeah, me too. And and then also acceptance. Deb, I think that has been a huge thing for me is accepting what is that. Now, this is the way it, it really is. Even though you want it to be this other way, even though you struggled to make it this other way, even though you've tried to, I was going to say influence, but manipulates probably the, the true word the situation so to be this other way no except what is and mel robbins i love her let them theory you know oh
0: the, yeah yeah that
1: it's where you know if a group of your friends go out to lunch and they don't invite you let them if your husband forgot your anniversary let him you know i mean just Instead of getting, oh, they should have done this, I should have done that, da-da-da-da. Well, it is what it is. Let them, and then you um, you feed your again, feed yourself, give yourself what you need and not expect other people to do that. Because when you do all that shooting and thing, then then resentment comes into the picture and it just everything gets skewed. So be at peace with yourself, treat yourself like you want to be treated, love yourself, give yourself what you need. And at first that always sounds so self-centered and, you know, but it's, it's really actually true. You know, at the end of the day, the only one we're ever going to have with us is us. So, you know, I need to, I need to treat myself well. I need to give myself what I need. I need to be present for myself. Well, that's the other thing is just being present. You know, don't, when somebody starts talking, check out. Like, okay, well, they're talking now. (laughs) I'm going to my turn to talk. No, you know, be present, engage. And it's really delightful when you do that, you know? Um, So yeah, the shame, the shame was a toughie and that. That was the, the second year, you know, really dealing with the shame and, and starting to let that go and the forgiveness. Uh, yeah. And that just takes time and work. And at all, I think everything goes back to awareness. You know, nothing's going to change when you're not aware But Once you become aware, if you're genuine about being your best self, being living to your full potential then awareness is first and then action you know just thinking about it again that being stuck in my head that didn't get me anywhere you have to start you have to get out for that walk you have to drink this or bottles of water a day you have to act
0: so yeah thank you thank you for sharing that what what are you doing now to just maintain your sobriety? Just continue being an alcohol-free badass?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am living my life. That's the best thing I can say is you know, I, I talk about daily adventures and We do get to have a lot of wonderful adventures in retirement. And I love that. But even just staying at home, daily adventures. Oh, what birds did I see today? What's the neighbor up to? Just, you know, what are you having for dinner? And enjoying it. Just enjoying the moment. Enjoying the little things. Gratitude, you know. Gratitude has been a huge part of my my journey. Early on, every day in my phone and the notes before I went to sleep, You know, I would just I'm grateful for whatever I can think of. And now on Instagram, I I do my ABCs every day, you know. Today was W Day. So maintaining childlike wonder, you know, just, just different things. So that's a practice. That's a practice. Oh, and that's one of the things I wanted to mention too, is just consistently little things that you can incorporate into your life that bring you joy. You know that gratitude practice brings me joy. Looking at life as a daily ad- adventure brings me joy. And they're just little things that don't cost anything. But it's mindset. It's, you know the way we look at things and think about things.
0: Yeah, the joy and gratitude is so, and wonder, I love wonder. Mm-hmm. But are there, is there anything you do? Cause you know, that first year is so intense and you were doing the path and daily meetings. And so are there any kind of like, are you part of a group or community? Cause people always ask this, especially when they're in it, like, they ask, like, am I going to constantly be talking about drinking? Am I going to constantly be reading Quitlet or listening to podcasts? Or, you know, how, you know, I feel like there needs to be some kind of tether to being alcohol-free. And so what are your thoughts about that?
1: No, I agree, Deb. And again, the Instagram alcohol-free community just have some of the best friends in the world that, you know, I've not met a couple, a few of them I have met face to face in person, but most of them know. And just checking in every day, I find you like when I was traveling, sometimes I didn't have internet and stuff. I really miss it. So that connection with that community that that is so loving and caring, and we watch out for each other and share things. And, you know, like when I didn't have internet at different time, people would reach out. Are you okay? Yeah. I'm Cause I'm there every day. Right. <laughs> and so when I'm not, so that made me feel wonderful that, that there people noticed and they, they cared and they reached out to me. So yeah, definitely. I think there a tether is good. I was going to say that you have to have, I don't know that you have to have, I'm not going to make any absolutes, but uh, that's good to have that tether that, community that you know is there for you and cares about you and is watching out for you and misses you when you're not there
0: yeah so for you the instagram sober yes. community is your tether
1: yes absolutely yeah Yeah.
0: and just a reminder for people who are like oh i don't do social media or whatnot like Instagram, you, you could make your own little sober, quote unquote, sober account. You don't have to use your real name. And then you can just put in like hashtag sober or alcohol free and just follow all these different accounts and maintain your anonymity if you want, or you can be out loud and proud. But it, it is a little like one of the good little pockets of the social media world, I think. A very positive pocket
1: yeah i agree because you hear so much negative about social media and i'm sure that's true but that's not been my experience in the alcohol free space i've mm-hmm. had nothing but positive experiences there and seeing nothing but positive experiences there yeah it, it's a a brotherhood a sisterhood
0: um, yeah community that, is key.
1: yeah yeah community of of people that Get you, and that's one of the things I had shared early on. Is my husband? We've been married forty five, going on forty six years. Love him to pieces. I know he loves me to pieces, but he did not get me. You know, with the being an active addiction, he he was the well. Why don't you just moderate? You know, why don't you just drink? You know, one glass or two glasses? Why? I'm like, well, there's still that bottle over there to be empty. No, I don't think. You know, I mean. And and that, for me, it made me feel judged, you know, it made me feel, and so that didn't work real well. But coming into the Instagram community, everybody gets it, you know, everybody gets you. And so I think that has a lot to do with releasing shame is that, mm-hmm. hey, here are all these other beautiful, wonderful people and they get you. So. Yeah.
0: I I think. Yeah, I think that knowing you're not alone is mm-hmm. so comforting. Absolutely. Well, tell tell us about your adventure. So you were living in Florida when we last right. talked, you were retired, you were taking right? these fabulous road trips. And now where are you?
1: Now we're in Costa Rica. This is something that we visited Costa Rica for the first time sixteen years ago for a conference, and my husband fell in love with it then he wanted to move that, and I'm like, "No, you know, our youngest was still in high school, um our parents were still alive, and it's just like, no, you know I'm, I'm not doing that." Well, we've been back other times since, and every time he brings it up, and I'm like, "No, I'm not doing that, but about, let's see, it should be about a year and a half ago now. That's when the real estate market was at its top. Inflation was starting to kick in and he brought it up again. And this time he had kind of done some homework and he came at it from a financial perspective. You know, it's like the real estate's at the top of the market. We could sell our home here, buy a home and a car there, put money in savings, have money to travel. You know, they, it's a very safe, democratic country. They, well, actually today is the anniversary. 75 years ago, they disbanded their army and reallocated the funds to education and health care. So they have a wonderful education and healthcare system here. Uh, so he brought all of these things up, and it's like, well, okay, I'm I'm listening. Let let's let's make a trip back down there and and see. So we did a lot of homework about where, if we did move, where we'd want to live. And coming from Florida, where we live close to the beach, we thought we'd want to be on the beach or close to the beach. But what we found is, yes, the beach is great, but the beach is hot and humid year-round here. And coming from Florida, where you live in your air conditioning for five months out of the year, I didn't want to live in air conditioning 12 months out of the year. So we found that if you get a little higher elevation in what they call the Central Valley, that the weather, they call—they claim to have the most perfect weather in the world. And they're not too far off. It's 65 to 85 year round. They don't have seasons other than or we, I'm gonna have to start we, we don't have seasons other than wet season and dry season. The wet season is June to November. And you get just torrential rains every afternoons. But most mornings are are sunny. So you can get out and do your errands and do whatever you need to do. But be home by about 2 o'clock because, man, the, the bottom's going to drop out. Um, so doing the research and going, well, okay, this makes sense. You know what? We're not getting any younger. Uh, my husband's 77 and I'm 70 if we're serious, if we're going to do it, let's do it now. You know, we don't, there's not a later to look forward to. Let's do it now. So we thought, okay, let's test the water. Let's put our house on the market, put a really nice price tag on it. Our realtor was like, are you sure? I Yeah. Well, it sold full price in three days. The buyer was a cash deal wanted to be in in 30 days. So, 30 days from, well, 33 days from when we came back from our trip, we were out of our house. So I was like, oh, this is, this is getting really real now. <laughs> Thank goodness we have a, a wonderful cousin up in the panhandle who uh, took us in and said, you know, you can stay here till you get your feet under yourself, figure out what you're doing. And we had met a realtor when we were here. And she was looking for property for us. And she told us about a website that's kind of like Zillow in the States to look for real estate. So we were both, we were all looking for properties and we saw this one property. It was listed as a countryside home with wonderful views. And it had these pictures It focused on the wonderful views, right? And so I sent it to Gloria and I said, this is a long shot, but would you check this out for us? So she went, you know, she came out to the property. She took pictures, uh, videos, and she sent it back to us. And and the videos are showing this beautiful view and the birds singing and the fruit orchards. I mean, we've got all kinds of fruit trees. And we're like, this is it. And she says, what do you mean this is it? We want to make an offer. Without seeing it? Yeah. So that's what we... (laughs) That's what we did. And fortunately, part of our background was flipping houses. So we're pretty good at seeing the potential in a property, Um, not just seeing it as it is, but seeing what it could be. And so we bought it. And that was a year ago, November. And we saw it for the first time, you know, live uh, the day before we closed. And that is the one moment of second thoughts and doubts that we had because the road out here, it's only four and a half kilometers long. So that's about three miles and it takes 15 minutes to drive it because it's one of those zigzag up, down, it's asphalt, it's gravel, it's dirt, it's concrete, it's got potholes, you know, and we're like, oh my God, what have we Where are we headed? But we got here and we got out of the car and we looked at the view and and the birds are singing and there's the fruit trees, you know, ripe with fruit. And it's like, yeah, this is it. And so we closed the next day. We moved in that same day. The realtor's like, you're not going to rent while you're doing your reno? No. I mean, we're used to living in a construction zone because it It had a good foundation, what we would call good bones, but it was a very basic Tico. Tico or what the natives call themselves countryside home. So it didn't have hot water. It didn't have, it was all open air living except for the bedroom. The kitchen was very basic. It just had a three burner gas cooktop and a refrigerator. That was it. So we spent the next three months renovating and it has turned into our dream home we just we pinch ourselves that oh my gosh we can't believe we're here and the thing that we wanted to do is so many gringos north americans well europeans too but mostly canadians and from the states come and they they live in gated communities and stay kind of insulated in their own little gringo environment we didn't want that we wanted to be in with the locals and that's where we are we're in a little town called Barueta population maybe a hundred people we live next door to the primary school there's 13 children in the whole school kindergarten to grade six they walk right by our house we're the the gringo grandparents and they're like Hola, abuela. you know and it's just they invite us to all their functions they they accepted us as family right from the get-go invited us to you know the school graduation and right now we're coming up there's a latin american tradition for christmas called las posadas posadas means ends and that's where the community meets at the iglesia the church for eight nights in a row They've selected from the children of Mary and Joseph every day for the, you know, different pair every night. And the rest of the children dress up as angels and shepherds and all of that. We have a procession through town singing carols. And then we stop at a host house and have a program about what Christmas is all about. You know, Jesus's birth. And then there's a dinner. And so, I mean, we'd only been here not even a month when we were invited and, you know, Eight nights. We, I mean, we got to know everybody right off the bat, and we don't. We we're working on our Spanish, but we're still not real good at Spanish. And there's only one other family that. Well, that's not true too. That uh, have any English at all. Everybody else is totally Spanish. But thank goodness there's Google Translate. There is an Atenas. That's the closest town where you can go shopping. Barueta is just a farm community. You know, there's cattle and coffee and citrus, but no shopping. So a tennis is like 20 minutes away. That the 15 minute road to get to the highway and then five minutes to get to, to town. But there's a, a woman's group, um, an expat woman's group that meets every Thursday for breakfast. So I'll go to that. My husband goes and has his own breakfast wherever. And then we go to the ferry of the farmer's market after. And so we have, you know, different routines our little neighbor girl she's well she'll be 14 pretty soon she comes over once a week and we practice english spanish together because she's learning english and we're just very very happy here our kids have asked us well how do you feel about aging there you know because again we're not getting any younger and after this year i have to say i feel really good about it because there's genuine care and love and the the community for each other you know i feel like we'll be well watched after you know hopefully we can age in place but this past week we went with the friend of ours her who her background was in gerontology to visit an assisted living facility close by and it was gorgeous it was wonderful and you know let the kids know okay you know if the time comes this is where i want to go you know it's it it checked all the boxes so yeah i can't say enough good about it it's it's something well i think being our age probably has a lot to do with it too i mean i guess it could have gone either way um but we found that we're so glad that we took that leap of faith we felt led here we felt called here honestly and the way everything fell in place, that it was just, this is where we're meant to be. Yeah. But there's a lot of exploring to do. You know, Costa Rica is known for all of its natural beauties. It's got like 13 different microclimates, I think. Our oldest has come to visit. He's the only one out of the four that's come to visit so far. And he had planned a wonderful 10-day trip where we went up to Arnal Volcano and the Hot Springs. And then we went up to Monte Verde, which means, you know, Green Mountain. Uh, actually, the Quakers settled that back in 1950s. And dairy farming is their big thing there. But they have a lot of nature trails. And, you know, that's where you'll see just the most amazing birds and critters and animals. And then we went over to the beach. We went to Coco del Pla- or Playa del Coco. And stayed right on the beach there. Our son's real big into scuba diving, so he did diving there. and then we went down to Montezuma, another beautiful place. So there's just it's it's a wonderful place to to visit. And the people are so warm. Um, I'm sure that's not the experience for maybe everybody, but that's been our experience.
0: So well, that's amazing. Yep. It's definitely yeah. on my bucket list to go to Costa Rica. And can you even imagine? doing this move and like if you were still drinking like would this even be no. happening
1: no none of this would happen you know what tab if i was still drinking i wouldn't be here i wouldn't be still drinking because i wouldn't be here i was wow that was the road i was on that's at at the point you know where like i said i got so pissed off at alcohol preceding that for the past probably month i've been saying things to my husband like well I won't be here much longer. Well, you're not going to have to worry about me on that anymore because I was just in so much pain. It's like it it couldn't go on like that anymore. But at that time, I was withdrawn. I was isolated. I was, you know, because of the shame and everything, I didn't want to be around people. Yeah, no, it was it was bleak. It was bad. My husband thought I had dementia because I was losing my words. That was one of the things, I don't know if other people express this, but about three months in, alcohol-free, I got so excited one day because my words were coming back. I could actually.
0: <laughs> oh, I felt like I took a smart pill. I was like, I am smart. I remember things. <laughs> Isn't it
1: something?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. Well, I I just think it's amazing. I really appreciate you coming back and filling us in on your life and just sharing yeah. all the the ups and downs and just how transformative this experience has been for you and can be for other people too. And Absolutely. you're just not too old. You're never too no. old. And Do you have anything all. that you want to say before we wrap up? Hmm.
1: the only thing I'd say is today's the day. You know, there's no reason if you question if you have a problem with alcohol or, you know, maybe alcohol is not serving you. Today's the day. Take action. Do something. Because as soon as you do, it's not going to be easy and everybody's situation's different. I mean, I've learned for the young people, it's a real struggle because their whole social life is going out and drinking. Well, see, I was already retired at the time, so that wasn't Factor for me. But as soon as that alcohol is removed, you're going to see your anxiety level go down. You're going to see your sleep improve. You're going to see your face come back on, you know, quit sliding off your jaw. Your hair is going to shine. It's just do it. Just do it. And whatever you need to do it, do it. That's, well, that would be the one thing, the major thing I think it said is there's no one way to do it. Whatever works for you. That's the way to do it, because there's all. It used to be really there only was one way, I guess. But nowadays there's so many ways. Find the way that works for you, and find the people, find your tribe, and go for it.
0: Well said. Well, how can someone find you?
1: Oh, I'm at the sober grandma, the sober Ram, the sober grandma road trip on Instagram.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm on, there pretty much every you. day. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I was just saying, yay, and thank you, thank you for being oh, there and all that you're doing and just being an inspiration, just showing uh, up. That's really helpful. My,
1: my pleasure, entirely. Believe me, and thank you so for, much for inviting me back. I really enjoy the opportunity of of sharing because that's another thing is I realized once I started to get my sanity back and some clarity, hey. I'm not the only 67 year old grandma out here that's struggling with this. I want to get that message out that, Hey, I know you're out there. I, I, I feel you. Come on, come to the light.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so well said. Well, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you. Uh, Happy holidays to you too, Deb. And I hope we get to connect in Costa Rica yes yeah that's wonderful so good luck to you and all your adventures
1: well thank you you too
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of the alcohol tipping point podcast please share and review the show so you can help other people too